nice, intimate two-person recording today. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Episode 425 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by English Dan. Good evening. And that's it. He's the only other person who's joined. That's me. it. What more do you want, Sam? Uh, I left it a little bit late in the week to send the email around and totally wasn't available anyway. No. Andres is not available anyway. Uh, he already watching... told me last week because yes. River are playing in the Libertadores right now. 37 minutes gone and they are. Pause to see what happens with this goldmouth scuffle. Uh, they're drawing 1-1 away to Fortaleza in the Copa Libertadores. We will, of course, tell you what that means in more detail a bit later on. In the meantime, though, we've got one round of... Uh, I've already forgotten the name of it. Copa de la Liga Profesional. The penultimate round. Um, yes, we've got the penultimate round to review and the ultimate round to um, look forward to, or the ultimate round, the, the final round, I should say. Uh, I keep forgetting, we do have some listeners who aren't native English speakers and might actually think that that is how we talk. Um, of group stage matches to go, and there's also been a little bit of talk about when the league is going to be beginning. Is it? Uh, I haven't heard that. a headline, uh, part of the advantage of having a new phone is that I get new... Google News apps oh. and stuff on it, and so I've been able to set those to both English and Spanish news. It's nice off in your now, sir. This one takes both the languages I speak. Amazing. Um, and yeah, it gave me a headline from an Independiente fan, fan website that was saying, uh, these changes could affect Independiente, and ignoring the fact that obviously they could affect every other club in the top flight as well, because it's the top flight fixture list. Um, <laughs> and there is some talk that they're going to be starting the league season within a few days of uh, the the Copa de la Liga final oh. and basically just playing all the way through the winter without a winter break which would be the end of May? sometime yeah like the last I think the 28th of May was one of the dates mentioned I can't remember when that's the day of the weekend of the Copa de la Liga final it's definitely the weekend of the European Champions League final but that's obviously not relevant to us because the quarterfinals are coming right after this weekend yeah. I believe because They're it's like an off week the of in the Libertadores in Sudamericana yeah I don't know if the semis are the following weekend or are they going to leave them... I think we're going to have quarterfinals like Tuesday and Wednesday next yes. week, semifinals th- that weekend. Right. And then the final, I assume they're going to wait until the weekend because having the final in the middle of the week would be a bit weird. But if it is in the middle of the week, then I think that they're trying to start the league the very next, like a few days afterwards. And it's the final in Santiago since all of the games seem to be in Santiago? Ah. Uh. <laughs> we'll find out I know at least the quarterfinals are um, well all of the games are one-offs the quarterfinals are home advantage to the team that finished better and then semi-finals and final obviously are in neutral grounds oh, the and there will be a way fence in the semi-finals has been confirmed interesting yes cool uh, anyway the results from round 13 <coughs> of the league were Newell's 1 San Lorenzo 2 that one had already happened of course when we last recorded um, oh yeah, I forgot to go over some of my predictions. 
My predictions last week, I said Gimnasia will get a comfortable win against Patronato. They definitely got that. I said Boca would beat Barracas Central by a couple of goals and be disappointed to do so. So, mm-hmm. you know, bear these in mind. And we all collectively agreed that Sarmiento had a really good home record and were going to be very tricky opponents for River Plate. So just bear that in mind in mm-hmm. a few minutes' time. Well, in, in the next minute or so. Newells won San Lorenzo 2. Estudiantes 2, Aldo CB 1 in a match that was, I think, about as good as we expected it to be. Um... Maybe we oversold it a bit because we forgot that Estudiantes had Libertadores action this week as well. But and that anyway. they were already qualified, didn't really need to Indeed, do anything yeah. crazy. Uh, Patronato, the below average team, uh, nil. Gimnasia, <laughs> the average team, as I put it during my predictions last week, six. Atletico Tucumán, three. Tacheres, nil. Vélez Sarsfield, two, uh, three. Tigre, two. I think that might have been one of the matches we said Tigre were expecting to win because they were in quite good form and mm. Vélez, as we mentioned last week, were not. Racing 1, Banfield 1, Arsenal 2, Colón 0, Boca, remember I said they'd win by a couple of goals, Yes, 1-2-0 against Barracas Central, Lanús 1, Independiente 0, uh, Sarmiento with the strong home record and <coughs> difficult opponents. Um, strong defence. Um, very strong defence. Uh, yeah. They lost 7-0 at home to River. <laughs> Godoy Cruz 1, Central Córdoba 0, Unión 1, Defensa y Justicia 2, Huracán 2, Rosario Central 1 and Platense 1 Argentinos Juniors 1 so what does that do to the standings it means Racing have qualified they'd already qualified before Mm -hmm. last week River have qualified uh, and thanks to that massive goal influx could yet finish top indeed yeah they are now the Second top scorers in the Copa. They were previously, I think, joint third uh, behind Racing, but they've now leapfrogged Racing, and Estudiantes are the only team who scored more than them. And Defensive Justicia had outscored them as well. Uh, Defensive Justicia scored 25. Yes. River and got River, 29. River before the Sarmiento game, and he had 22. Oh, sorry, yes, of course, right. So River were about joint fourth or something in the yes. scoring charts then, weren't they? Uh, Newells in Group 1 are on 23 points. Defensive Justicia on 22 those are the last two teams who are qualifying at the moment as it stands. But Argentinos have 22, Gimnasia 21 and Sarmiento 21. So be that is going to be a nice tight last weekend of action. I don't know whether any of those teams are playing each other. We'll find uh, out a bit. They are, I think, yeah. One or two of them at least. Um, Newell's yes. Defensa Justicia, Argentinos, Gimnasia, Sarmiento. Any combinations? Gimnasia Newell's. Excellent, that should be good fun. And in Group 2, Estudiantes uh, had long since qualified as well. They're on 28 points. Boca have 24 points and therefore have not only qualified, but also now assured themselves of second place thanks to that uh, win over Central Cordoba combined with um, Aldo Civi and Tigre both losing. Aldo Do we think they'll be happy with that though? Because, because that guarantees home advantage. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And they so probably would have preferred away. They're definitely finishing second, so they'll be playing whoever finishes third in the other group, who we don't know who that's going to be yet. Uh, and then in third and fourth is Tigre and Aldo Sibi. They both have 20 points. None of, Neither of them have qualified just yet. Huracan are on 18 in fifth place. Um, so, and, and Colón are on 16, so they're too far behind. So in group two, uh, two out of Tigre, Aldo Sibi and Huracan will qualify for the quarterfinals, mm. is what we're saying. Um, it was another weekend in which that thing that Tony's pointed out a couple of weeks ago about Group 1 being the more entertaining one seemed to hold true to me I mean I didn't catch very many full matches I saw a Studiantes Albacibi I saw the River game and I saw a big chunk of the Boca game mm-hmm. 
Uh, do you have anything to add, Dan? What did you catch? I'm assuming you watched Racing. I watched Racing, yeah, who held their own, I guess you can say, with um, a lot of, lot of reserves on the pitch against uh, Banfield, who kind of dug in, make it, made it very difficult. Um, but Racing ended up getting the, getting the point, maintaining that unbeaten league record this year, and could have got a bit more from it. Yeah, uh, the goal was quite funny. Um, I think it would have been a penalty anyway. It was uh, ex-Racing youngster Maxi Cuadra, who might even still belong to the club. He's just been on about 20 loans in the last um, five years or so. Uh, he managed to break through on the counter, came straight from a Racing corner, um, rounded Chila Gomez, Gaston Gomez, um, Racing's keeper, who and got the ball away just before um, Gomez took him down. Managed to get the shot out. It was rolling towards the goal. And I think it was Racing defender Leo Ciali who went, who managed to get to it to clear it. But coming the other way was um, full debutant, mm. Maicon Quiros, um, who was also sliding for it. The two just banged into each other and sent it into the net for a Quiros goal. Maicon is not a name I've heard before. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I think because I think he's Argentine as well. Um, we're kind of more accustomed to seeing these names in Colombia, Venezuela, right? Where yeah. um, someone's obviously you know heard Michael or or an English name and not seen it written down and tried to take a stab at just gone for it <laughs> phonetically and and butchered it. Yeah. Um, so it seems to be something that's uh, that's catching on more in um, in Argentina now. Because what was it about ten years ago or? Or maybe a little bit more. They removed like this um, this list of approved names. Mm. You're aware of this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where every you know first name had to be on a on a special kind of list of real names. So unless the kid had a foreign parent, right. in which case you could say no, but it's a name in my country and yeah. get around it. But yeah. So I assume Michael might have come after this, or perhaps he's got. Must have done, wasn't it? How old is he? Yeah. 20. Yeah. It's, uh, in case anybody's listening to this and unable to hear the difference between Michael and Michael, it's M-A-I-C-O. Yes. Um, if you do have an idea of where this might be uh, from, this name, <laughs> please let us know. Indeed. Um, he played against Patronato as well, it says here. He must have gone. I think he so. came off the bench, yeah. That was his debut. Or he might have played in the Copa Argentina as well. An unused sub yeah. in a few matches. And then what can we say about Sarmiento? Because they held out for for over half an hour. Mm. They didn't concede any in the last 20 minutes. Um, no, the only problem was the... Fifth, the fifth in about half an hour, they conceded yeah. seven times. Um, it was quite the onslaught. It just seemed that everything River touched turned into a goal. And I mean, the first two goals came... I don't know whether it was even a minute between them. It felt like the ball had yeah. been in play for about 20 seconds uh, in between Tomas Pochettino scoring probably the best of the lot, I think, to open the scoring. Yeah, I think the TV um, was still showing the um, the yeah. replay when, when it went in. And then Julian Alvarez, who we've been mentioning a couple of weeks ago, you know, wasn't in the best of form, mm. uh, scoring the first of what turned out to be a hat-trick. He got the second on the stroke of half-time. Enzo Fernandes... Uh, the man of the moment. one that I want to say it was quite a good one, but honestly I can't remember. They've all kind of blended into each other, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, seven minutes into the second half, Ezequiel Barco 
uh, scored another, because he scored a week or two ago as well, didn't he? Mm. Uh, just over an hour in. Alvarez completed his hat-trick um, very shortly after that. And then Santiago Simon, who I was about to say had come on at some point, but I don't think... No, he, was, he started, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, scored the seventh with about 20 minutes to go. And then River decided that they could probably hang on to the lead from there um, and stopped attacking quite so much. So an average age for about 21 for River's four scorers, or 22, say. Something like that, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, Alvarez, Pochettino is probably the oldest, right? Oh, yeah, 26. Enzo, how old is Enzo Fernandez? 21. 20, 21? Oh, yeah. I think he's a little bit older than that. Was a late it's just been a... Yeah. Well, he's been around for a while, you know, he was... Mm. Um, he was a starter for Defensive Justicia in the Sudamericana team True, back in 2020. Yeah. But he's been around the block. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a late and early bloomer at the same time, if that makes sense. Indeed. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I know what you mean. It felt for a bit like uh, you look at these statistics and River 27 shots, 13 on target. Mm. And I remember looking at these at one point during the match and thinking, when have all those ones off target happened? Because I felt watching the game. Uh, like Josue Ashala didn't really have a save to make other than to turn around and pick the ball out of his other than picking the ball out of his own net I can't remember River having very many of these supposed shots that they had on or off target I just seem to think as you put it that everything they hit went in yeah Um, yeah I'm not sure what happened Um, I do think it's kind of funny um, that this time about 10 days ago there were people talking on Argentine TV about River's crisis. Ah, oh, they just don't play. Are they? Are they used to Gacharo's not getting the same out of these players that he that he did in with previous generations? Are they? Are they on the slide? And they come back with like smashing win against Colo Colo in Chile, mm. and now this one against Sarmiento, and now they're they're looking pretty good against Fortaleza to qualify essentially from the Libertadores group with two games in hand. So. I think they're doing all right. I mean, I'd love to have yeah. a, a crisis like like Rivers. I must say. The, the other thing that gets overlooked, and which I perhaps it would have been useful to bring this up when Andres was here for the last few weeks, saying that you know River are sort of playing their way into some kind of form and togetherness and everything. And we we it came up over the last few weeks with a few theories as to why this might be. But the thing that we've overlooked, as well as you know everybody in Argentina overlooks it, certainly on the television shows, is that throughout Gasharados time in charge they've been a team who were geared towards getting out of the Libertadores group and then peaking in the second half of the year yes absolutely. for the knockout stages sometimes that doesn't pay off you know they, they've gone out in the semi-finals a couple of times and mm-hmm. won in the quarter-final on I think one occasion of the six uh, attempts on the uh, they or something right the last um, one yeah the most recent against one, the Atletico Manedo yeah. the first time since since 2016 yeah it would have been something yes. like that or, or since the uh, Sudamericana that they won maybe yeah they, no yeah you're 2016 right. they went out to Independiente del Valle in the last 16 right, I yeah. think and then last year they went out to Atletico Mineiro in the quarters and other than that and apart from that each year yes um, so they're always you know aiming to peak at well, at the right time of year I guess if what you want to do is win the Libertadores and you're not so bothered about the domestic stuff Indeed. Um, and as it is of course as we've already said they are qualified for the knockout stage of this competition and you know the knockout stage is not going to be home and away ties it's going to be as you've mentioned already home uh, home for the team well River will be at home uh, in the quarters and then neutral for the semis and the final so anything can happen in a one-off match but 
it's not as if they're uh, without any hope of lifting a trophy here either. No. Um, and speaking of teams who have managed to keep their hopes alive, Boca, not so much keeping their hopes alive in the Copa de la Liga because they have plenty of hope in the Copa de la Liga anyway. They were virtually guaranteed, as we mentioned last week, of a quarter-final place. Um, but after a very professional uh, win over Barracas Central, two goals from Dario Benedetto, the second of which, I think it was the second, wasn't it? It was an absolute stonker. Oh, beautiful scissor kick, yeah. yeah. Just popped up nicely for him, but really, really nicely taken. Mm. Um, and not much else to report there. One thing I forgot to say about this last week, though, was uh, that my girlfriend's dad was going to be at this game. He's mm-hmm. not been to a game in the Bombonera since... Uh, 1969. Wow. That was the last but one match he went to. Uh, I know this because I took him to the last match he went to, which was Brentford against Bristol City. Uh, when we were similar. Yeah, similar atmosphere. And we asked him, when, when was the last time you were actually at a game? And he said, uh, 1969. <laughs> 1969. Um, what happened? So, well, what happened was that he, he has a, a cousin who lives in Israel and right. she's over visiting at the moment with her husband. And her husband is a member of the uh, the Peña, the okay. sort of local Boca fan group, the official club-registered fan group in Israel, um, and was told when he came over, look, as you're a member of the Peña, you know, you don't uh, get to come to Argentina very often, we can sort you out with tickets for, tickets for a match if you want, you know, you can have two tickets. And he was like, oh, that's great, that's fantastic, thank you, yeah, sure. So we asked my girlfriend's dad whether he uh, fancies going with him. And they were all looking forward to it. It's been agreed and it was going to be the Barracas Central match and it's been agreed for a couple of months and they were told about a week before the game they got in touch to sort out you know when do we come to pick up these tickets they're like oh yeah they'll be $200 each and what? he was like uh what you yeah yeah because you're part of the Peña we give you the chance to buy them uh, and you've got to pay in cash in dollars cheeky bastard and um yeah they, they told me that and obviously um being somebody who's always more than happy to uh, see the evil in Boca Juniors, mm. particularly. I That's found outrageous. it quite funny. <laughs> but yeah, just um, never miss a chance to rip your own fans off as no, well as correct. anything else. Does that work out to you, like 40,000 pesos? Something like that. But they also, as I say, they wanted the payment in, in dollars. dollars and yeah. You can kind of see why, well, it, it, the motivation is obvious, especially when you know what, as yeah. we discussed in previous weeks, Argentina's struggles with getting hold of foreign currency for, for clubs as well but I mean it's no, not as no. if you're going to be paying the players contracts with $400 yeah. for two people I can understand barely but I could understand charging tourists out or charging them on their yeah. overseas the bank account exactly, for a yeah. ticket but these guys you know they're from your filial they're from your peña they've, they're probably Argentines who live abroad nah you can't do that that's yeah. really outrageous precisely Dear um, Anyway, that, that's my big story about Boca mm. versus Barracas Central. We've um, had a fun week in uh, San Lorenzo as well. Mm. When, don't we? Um, they are now presidentless, oh, as yeah. well as coachless and uh, sporting director slash managerless. Yes, so I'm so not really sure who's in charge. A presidentless bit because uh, famous television misogynist Marcelo Tinelli and serial um, resigner has yeah has, has resigned again from the job that he had at the club. I didn't realise he'd actually gone back. I didn't realise he was president because he was vice president first, wasn't he? He was vice president so under Lamins, and then in the last elections they swapped places. I see. Then both went on license. 
on administrative license yes, because Lamens because is working for the city. Is it the city government or no. the national government? The Lamens government is, is the Argentina's tourism, or tourism and sports minister. Yeah. Um, and Tinelli was on license on leave because he was until January the Liga Profesional president. Oh yeah. He resigned from that. Apparently, came back to San Lorenzo, and now he's resigned from San Lorenzo. So their vice president still on leave, Lavins. Their president's gone. They sacked. They sacked Pedro Trollio, their coach, mid-April, so and found a replacement. Yeah, so Fernando Beron is still in the perennial interim. He's basically another coachman for, given how often San Lorenzo changed their coaches. He's got to be up almost to a hundred games now or something like. That. Yeah, he's had a few stints. Just give it to him, like if he deserves it. Couldn't do any worse, surely. So and they've also had, problem, yeah. I suppose. And they've also had a lot of fun with um uh hand of pod favourite in inverted commas, Ricky Centurion, El Wachiturra. Oh yeah. Who has just he's just been doing Centurion things basically. Um he got dropped for the game a few weeks ago back against Patronato, so he decided that he wouldn't go go to training. Um, then he didn't go to another training. It carried on like this. Uh, got sent down to the reserves. Um, and now he hasn't been shown up for reserve training. So, yeah, same old Stuff. story. Sadly for Centurion, who just can't keep out of trouble. No. Um, or in his job. No. Uh, that he gets paid handsomely to do. Absolutely. And a lot of people would kill to have. Um, but San Lorenzo anyway. did win, as we mentioned last week. They did, yes. They, yeah. they beat Newell's, so well done them. Uh, and they're, of course, playing Racing this coming this weekend. Friday, yes. I yeah, hadn't realised it was tomorrow, Friday, yeah. but then it makes sense since it's pretty much uh, their brother, Racing playing, you know, already qualified and San Lorenzo already not. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they, They've scheduled the few sort of non-live matches, as it were, in odd time slots, because the ones that do have things riding on them have all got to be put together yes. at the same time uh, for this weekend. So it's a little bit of a weird time-slotting uh, thing going on. For, on Sunday, for some reason, they've got a bunch of matches all at four o'clock, nothing at all at seven, and then River Platense at nine, which is just Saturday. The final game is going to be at seven o'clock, so guess nine o'clock, dinner yeah. time, sit down on the sofa, watch a film on Saturday night, perfect. <laughs> Sunday... Start doing that at seven, and then you've got to switch the football back on at nine. And those of us who have partners who don't like football, this is irritating. Um, <laughs> so it's something to do with giving River a couple hours more rest time since they're playing tonight, and it would only be 72... Oh, it's got to be 72 hours after the match ends, hasn't it? So it could be that, yeah. Yeah, because it's... Because it will be 72 seven. hours after the match ends. It would be exactly 72, yeah. So I'm guessing, yeah. Well, so it's that. 74 instead of 72. Uh -huh. But then River, I'm going to play a single uh, first team play, you'd imagine, against Pladense. No, I can't see why they would. Um, but anyway, yes. unless they want to pad some stats and you know get another million or so on Enzo Fernandez. Very possible, yeah. Very possible. He doesn't seem to tire, at least. It's a um, fucking dynamite. No, indeed. Um, other matches that sort of stand out to you, Dan? Can you see any... Uh, from last week or the or the weekend coming up? Uh, no, from from last weekend. Um, I should mention Gimnasia, third 
winning a race, yes, of course, in the yeah. Liga to we'd be, fly up into contention. We'd have been talking about very little else if it weren't for River going one better again uh, than the very next day. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, Gimnasia won 6 0 yeah. uh, with goals from Brian Aleman. He scored twice in the first half. Christian Tarragona scored once in the first half and once in the second. Johan Juan, J O H A N. I've never been quite sure how to say it. Johan, uh, I imagine. Carbonero and Eric Ramirez um, completing the scoring. Uh, I did not catch any of it. I, I saw I the didn't. result afterwards and thought, oh, so that was worth watching then. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, I must admit, but it's good to see. I don't know, I always like to see Gimnasia doing well because. If, if these stats are don't. accurate, though, then literally every shot Gimnasia had on target went in the goal. Yeah, can't um, argue with that. So I think we can say, even without having seen the match, that Patronato goalkeeper Matthias Mancisha is the villain of the week. Very possibly, yeah. Um, this run, though, could be a double-edged sword because uh, Nestor Pipo Gorosito, another hand-up-on favourite mm-hmm. um, because of his beautiful perm, his fantastic, deep, all-year-round tan. Um, he's now in the running for the San Lorenzo job. Yeah. So, again... Again, yes. Um, it must be about his seventh spell in charge of them if he does take it, right? I don't think he's had that. I know he's been linked to the job a lot, but I think he's only um, he's only been there once or possibly twice. I might be getting San Lorenzo mixed up with Argentinos in that because uh, it feels like he's been Argentinos manager for. He's been around all the kind of all the, the red tinge clubs. He's been at River. He's been at San Lorenzo. He's been at Tigre. He's been at Argentinos. His uh, managerial career started in 2002, and in order, the teams he's managed have been Nueva Chicago, San Lorenzo, 2003 to four. Lanús, Rosario Central, Argentinos, River, Xerez, Argentinos, Tigre, Argentinos, Almería, San Martín de San Juan, Tigre, Olimpia, and Gimnasia. So yeah, just that one season in charge of San Lorenzo, and uh, only three spells in charge of Argentinos, I'm shocked. (laughs) Feels like so much more. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean... It's a tough one for, for coaches, right? Because of course, he had two spells in, uh, playing for San Lorenzo as well. Yeah. Sorry, don't carry on. It's a tough one, I think, if you're uh, that kind of coach, like always on the fringes. Um, you do well at some places, but you might get overlooked for, for the biggest jobs because as shit as they are at the moment and as shit as their institutional health is, um, I think it couldn't really be any worse. It's hard to turn down a grande. If you're if you're a coach, you yeah. know they're on the fringe. You could say, all right, it might not make sense because Gimnasia are fighting for the playoffs, whereas San Lorenzo have lost interest in it uh, for a while. But it's a draw. It's a, I would say better salary, but that is very much contingent on whether San Lorenzo will actually pay you. Yeah, uh, which isn't by no means guaranteed. But but to an extent, it's the kind of thing you can't turn down if you're uh, Gorosito. Type no. manager, and to, and to an extent, there's also the, the draw of being. I mean, you know, looking at the clubs he's managed previously and the clubs he played for, River and Pinos, and so on. I'm going to guess. Um, oh, he's got history with San Lorenzo, yeah, and, and, yeah, and, and that he feels at home in Buenos Aires, in a way that maybe La Plata just feels that little bit further away, and you know. Yeah, I mean, it's at, not. At least he gets less of a commute, I suppose, if he's living in Buenos Aires. I too. mean, if you get on the Buenos Aires La Plata um, motorway, you can do it in 45 minutes, but. Yeah, doing it every day. Much. It could be a bit of a drag, yeah. There and back but and I don't more, think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway. Um, so watch this space for Gorosita. 
Indeed. And Patronato... A, a crap. You know, we said this last week as well, I think. <laughs> just don't watch Patronato. They're, just, they're not very good at playing football. Um, how long have we recorded? Oh, God, only 27 minutes. Right, then. In that case, we might as well talk now about the continental competitions. Heating up. Uh, they are indeed. We were talking in particular last week. The focus was on the fact that Boca needed to travel to La Paz and they needed to get a win. And it, if there's one city, you know, not, regardless of the club you're playing against, if there's one city in South America that you don't want to go to needing a good result, it is La Paz. And they did very well. Uh, they got a 1-0 win yesterday evening as we record. So on Wednesday evening the match was played against Always Ready. Mm. Uh, it was thanks to a penalty from Eduardo Sanlio with about 10 minutes to go, a bit less than that in the first half. Um, it was a, just a, a thoroughly professional, much like we said last year. Was it last year when they won the, against the strongest in the first Yes. Match? I um, think that's well, it's the only way to win really at altitude. Yeah, exactly. Just, just, just a completely spot on yeah. how to get a win in La Paz. <laughs> Helped, I think, by Always Ready, who were pretty shit. I mean, they're not very good, are they? They're not very we, we good. We saw this in they're the nice Bombonera, strongest, yeah. Did they lose 2-0 to Boca in the Bombonera a couple of weeks ago? They lost 2-0. That one was a bit different because they had an early red card and that really kind of put yeah. them under the, under the cosh. They'd shown a couple of um, interesting moments before that, but um, considering, you know, they'd, they'd beaten Corinthians 2-0 uh, just a few weeks ago in, in La Paz and looked good value for it. Um, yeah, they were definitely behind, never really... Uh, put Boca under under a huge amount of pressure although Agustin Rossi who came back for this match or I can't remember if he came back at the weekend against Barracas Central because he's been injured for a while uh, I think he played against Barracas he might have played against Barracas um, he stopped everything he needed to um, looked very very proficient did his job? Oh, no, sorry, he didn't. Javier Garcia was in yeah. goal against Barraca. So, yeah, I mean, first game coming back with that zipping ball yeah. that just flies all over the place um, in La Paz. Uh, brilliant return for Rossi. Good to see him fit again. We don't wish ill health or injury on any players here in Anderpod and hope they all stay fit for as long as they can. No, indeed. And uh, listeners who are new to South American football and don't know what Dan's on about with the ball there might be interested to hear that it's so high up that the air is so much thinner that apart from being harder to breathe, it also means that the ball travels faster because there's less air resistance. And as a result, teams who are used to hosting sea level teams in La Paz get very good at taking long shots and yeah, testing out goalkeepers. Which it makes it a valid tactic, basically, uh, altitude to just fucking hit it and see what happens. Yeah. Because. If it goes anywhere near the net, it could be it could be a goal, or you could get a rebound because the keeper's just got no idea what's going on. Indeed, yeah, we'd obviously um, need uh, to talk to somebody from a Bolivian football podcast to get the full lowdown on mm. why always ready aren't very good. But I'm just having a quick look at their form, and since that win over Corinthians on the fifth of April, uh, in their first Libertadores group game, um, they. A few day, a couple of days after that, three days after that, they beat Universitario de Vinto, who mm. I've never heard of, 6-2 at home in the Bolivian uh, top flight. And since then, they have played eight matches and have not won any of them. They lost 2-0 away to Boca. They've drawn 1-1 at home to Independiente Petrolero. 
lost 5-1 away to Royal Paris-Sion, or mm. Sion, uh, drawn 1-1 away to Real Tomayapo, uh, drew 2-2 at home to Deportivo Cali, lost 2-1 at home to Bolívar, and of course have just lost 1-0 at home to Boca. So when we say they're not very good, they really don't appear to be very good. I mean, if they're struggling to beat other teams in the Bolivian League, no yeah. offence Bolivian League, but you know. It all went wrong when they sacked El Logo Abril at the start of the year. Mm. I think he would have made all the difference on the bench for this Libertadores. Who knows? We'll never find out. No. Um, but yeah, anyway, well done Boca. Very difficult venue to go to, needing a result, Indeed. and they did manage it. And so now they finish up with puts them two home games. Indeed, yes, they do. Uh, and they are second, I think, at the moment, aren't they, in Group E. Uh, Corinthians have seven points. Boca, six. Deportivo Cali, five. And always ready, four. Um, yeah, I think they could have done with Corinthians taking a victory last night. Uh, away to Cali, because that would have just, you know, might have taken first place in the group out of the, uh, out of the equation, but it gives you that two-point cushion. And, and, you know, basically, if you beat Deportivo Cali in your last game and you're Almost, almost certainly through, no matter what happens in the other game. Yeah, they've still got work to do because they're they're at home to Corinthians. Yes, as you've just as, well, as you implied, because uh, you just said, mentioned the Deportivo Cali was the final game. Um, they're at home to Corinthians in the next match, and you can imagine that one not being a Boca win necessarily, given that Corinthians are really good. But overall, I mean, Cali to me looked much better in the very first group game, but that was the very first group game. Mm. It's been a yeah, lot of since then, and it's in the Bombonera. And yeah, indeed, it's Deportivo Cali's only win in the group stage so far. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. But of course, that does mean that Cali have got a home match against Always Ready coming up. Yes. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's going to go down to the wire, I think, whatever game. happens. Exactly, yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see. Not very many goals, are there? Group E, Corinthians have scored three, <laughs> Boca have scored three, and Deportivo Cali and Always Ready have scored four each. Cagey. Um, mm, indeed. Uh, Group F is going on at the moment, so we won't talk about that one just now. Uh, but the other matches that have taken place in the Libertadores and that involve... Set, uh, ah, great win for uh, Colón last night. Yes, I missed this one. But it was. 2-1 against Cerro Porteño mm-hmm. um, in Group G, which puts Colón... Oh, I was going to say it puts them through, but it doesn't quite. Uh, them and Cerro Porteño both have seven points. Mm-hmm. Olimpia are on five and Peñarol on three. So it's tightly poised... But That's another interesting one, yeah. Peñarol um, looking like going out for, what, about the third year in a row or something now. But then they got their two um, their two home games. Uh, no, the two last games are at home. So that could be ah. interesting for them to, to pick up some points against Cerro, against uh, Colón. And I remember seeing that at home in the last game against Olimpia, they put in a very, very strong shift mm. in the 2-1. So I wouldn't, you know, I would never rule out Peñarol at home in their beautiful new stadium, which I still haven't been able to get to, yeah. which is irritating. I've driven past it in Montevideo um, on game day as well, and it looked very fun. Oh, with well. All the all of those gold and black jerseys lining the street. Cause it's kind of um, on the outskirts of Montevideo. It's not central at all. It's like on the edge of a motorway or something. Oh yeah, I was going to say it's, it's near the Centenario, but that's Grand Parque Central. It's yes, no, it's a bit further out like, on the way to the airport more, I think. Oh, uh, well. Any Uruguayans who want to Right in and trash my Montevideo geographical knowledge um, more than more than welcome to, but I think it's sort of out there. But they get a good atmosphere as well, and I really want to get in it. Next time I go to Uruguay, I'm going 
Gonna have to try and convince Anna to, to go to a Peñarol game. Easier said than that. Indeed. Uh, in Group C, Estudiantes got a 1-0 win over Nacional to put them not quite but virtually into the last 16. Uh, Bragantino and Vélez have to play each other still this week. I think that's later tonight, isn't it? Mm. Um, so they've, they've both only played three, but with four games played, Estudiantes are on 10 and Nacional on four, uh, meaning that... And, and Estudiantes have a goal difference of plus six and Nacional's is minus two, meaning that Estudiantes yeah, are pretty they're in much there. Yeah. there. They, they need they're one there. point to be certain of it. Considering Nacional and Bragantino also have to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're about for it. Oh, and it also... In fact, the fact that Nacional and Bragantino have to play each other... Yeah, you're right. It does. It not only guarantees Estudiantes... Ah, no, it, not, not necessarily. Bragantino beat Vélez later, then it doesn't guarantee... It doesn't mean that Estudiantes are guaranteed top spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. But, yeah, you're right. If uh, Bragantino and Nacional, Nacional still have to play... Ah, no, no. Ignore me. I'm <laughs> rambling now. Anyway, Bragantino <laughs> play Vélez later. We have to talk about the big, probably most impressive result of the... Um... Of the round well, from indeed. an Argentine I, I saw you uh, mentioning it, tweeting about it a bit yeah. last night, so Incredible. I was going to just tee you up now to discuss it, because on Wednesday night, Tacheres took the lead, as you put it, the worst team in the Copa de la Liga. Statistically. I'm not sure they quite are. But, no, uh, statistically and objectively, they got the least really, points out of any well. team in, uh, in the competition. They've only got eight points from 13 games. Uh, and uh, they took the lead twice against 2018... South American champions, mm-hmm. Flamengo. Unfortunately, they were pulled back twice and ended up drawing 2-2, but even so. Uh, tell us about it, Dom. No, it's incredible. Um, I must admit, I only saw the second half because um, something else was happening on Wednesday. I can't remember what. I think there was another game or something. I don't know. The Boca game? Um, very possibly, yeah. What were uh, you doing 24 hours ago? I was working. Um, so when I'm working, I tend to just flick through all the channels. Then I saw... Tashira's one up against Flamingo at half time, incredible. And they really did put in a shift, um, uh, played really well and and could have got the win. Um, hmm. And I remember us joking uh, a few months ago about Pedro Caixinha. Uh, this was uh, an all Portuguese coach hmm. match. Of course, because Paulo Souza was on the Flamingo bench saying, Tashira's have got it, you know, they might be absolutely shit this year. Um, but they've got their Portuguese coach. You should not roll them out in their Libertadores. No, indeed. It's proven true because um, after four games, they're second in their group. Um, Three points clear of Universidad Católica. And having played um, Flamengo twice. Of course, yeah. So Universidad Católica and Sporting Cristal have both got to still play Flamengo. Yeah. Once. They're a bit unlucky in that their last two games are away, but uh, they get the win over Cristal in Lima, which is... By no means out of the question because Cristal haven't been very good at all. No. And, and they might be in. Or even, no, even if they get a draw and Catolica lose to Flamingo, which will most likely happen, hmm. they're knocking on the door of the, of the knockout stages. Fantastic. Yeah, we got shows, shows the strength and depth of the Argentine League, right? Where the 28th best team can reach the Libertadores last 16. I mean. It does indeed, yeah. That's what kind exciting. of chance would we give Patronato or. Um... I was about to say Sarmiento, but in, in spite of getting thrashed that weekend, Sarmiento <laughs> aren't actually that bad. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
So Patronato, I, I, I'd be less optimistic of their chances of getting out of the Libertadores group. Um, but yeah, Tacheres are clearly putting their eggs in that basket to an extent, and mm. um, it's paying off for them. They are going to need to up their game a bit, domestically speaking, uh, later on in the year. But yeah, but they don't have to worry about that for for another month because this no, game, exactly. the weekend, which I'm sure they'll barely realise is happening, mm. um, is going to be their last until the the league kicks off. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go on, Tacheres. Let's see if you can do it. And in the Sudamericana this week, uh, Racing beat Cuiabá 2-1 on... Cuiabá, who are a disgrace to the name of football. Why what a terrible club. Why <laughs> Firstly, because they play in a beautiful stadium, the mm-hmm. Arena Pantanal, which was one of the stadiums built for the, wo- built for the World Cup. It was, yeah. Fantastic yeah. stadium, colourful, looks... Looks brilliant. And having that beautiful setting for football, they maintain a pitch, which is an absolute embarrassment. It looked like a potato field. And obviously, like, I don't even know if you can grow potatoes uh, up there in, um, in Cuiabá because it's, I think, almost in the middle of the Amazon. I'd be very surprised if you could grow potatoes. So why are you ploughing your pitch as if you were about to sow potatoes? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and it just, just looked... Bare, bobbly, all over the place. Um, and the second thing was, uh, they were just terrible. They're playing at home. You know, you think Brazilian team at home. Um, they should be looking, you know, to get on top of you, make something happen. All on the counter-attack, defending almost the entire game. Um, even after Racing I mean, equalised. And a, just fouling. at home to one of... One of Argentina's big fouls. Yeah, but come on. Um, and just fouling incessantly. There's about three elbows that somehow didn't um, well, I saw one or two get of them, picked yeah. up. Like um, barely for a, for a yellow card. Like the referee was was very uh, was shocking as well. And you know, I'm not one to to make a point of criticising referees. I don't you know don't like to harp on about this, but it was just a really really. Uh, what's the word? Kind of shabby game. Um, thanks to the pitch, thanks to the home team, thanks to the referee, in which Racing pretty much just had to dig out, dig in, and and get through, and they managed to. Um, thanks to two very nice goals, I must admit. Yeah, they were behind one 0 at half time, and not uh, through, somehow ah through a free kick that wasn't a free kick. Yes, and yeah, that was very funny. The free kick crossed to a player who was offside. And ending a flag, but just say two so, some really excellent names in the Cuiabá team. Though. This is the, true. This the, is true. The free kick was taken by Wendel, mm-hmm. which is not as you would expect, spelt W E N D E L, but spelt U E N D E L, and was uh, nodded in or, or touched in by Marlon, spelt with two L's for some reason. <laughs> uh, one of their other centre backs. So Marlon is one centre back. The other centre back is called Alan Emperer. Emperor. Um, yeah, I very much enjoyed those. There's an Alesson, A-L-E-S-S-O-N, on the left wing, and Elton up front. Yeah. Just proper, increasingly silly Brazilian. It feels a bit like a football manager thing where there's been an iteration where every generation of players just gets a little bit more sillily named. So God knows what Brazilians are going to be calling their players in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I think they're all called Riquelme, to be honest. Yes, I forgot about Rick Kelmer as well. He plays for Always Ready, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, 
General Caballero hosted Independiente in a match I'm sure Dan wasn't watching, and uh, Independiente won that one 4-0. I didn't catch it either. So I think um, General Caballero played the reserve team because they were in the latter stages of the Paraguayan League or fighting relegation or something, and their okay. interest in the Sudamericana has already effectively ended. I'm just looking at their lineup, and obviously I don't know whether this is a reserve team or not, but I can see that Santiago Salcedo... Uh, was at up 40. front and he is exactly 40 well not exactly his birthday is the 6th of September rather than the uh, 5th of May but um, yeah he is 40 so well done <laughs> um, that means that Independiente second in group G uh, three points behind Serra with two games to go remember it's only the top team in each group who go through in the Libert- in, in the Sudamericana uh, oh I didn't give you where, where Racing were Racing are also second in Group B, but dead level on points with Melgar, who both have nine points. Cuiaba and River Plate of Montevideo both have three, uh, which means there's shootouts between Racing and Melgar in these last two matches. And you still want to play Melgar because you play in the, the next first game, group game at home. So that's the big one. Yeah, if Racing win that, they're essentially free. Yeah. And I think there's any way back for Melgar. Um, if not, then it becomes a lottery, basically. Uh, I don't know, fingers crossed. Defensa Justicia lost 3 2 against Atletico Guayanense. Uh, they went 3 0 down and rallied, but it was a bit too little too late because their second goal didn't come until the 86th minute through Lucas Albertengo. Uh, that means that Atletico and Liga de Quito both have nine points and Defensa have three. And a goal difference of minus one, so are virtually out of the Sudamericana, having won it. Two 2020, as I mentioned. 2022 years ago. Not yeah. Half an hour ago. Mm, indeed. Uh, Lanús drew 1-1 in Guayaquil against Barcelona the other day. Yesterday, in fact. Jose Sand scored at both ends. Yeah. Own goal just before half-time. And then a proper goal uh, seven minutes after half-time. So eight minutes after half-time. So well done him. Um, <laughs> and that... Puts the, actually, so he didn't score at both ends. He scored twice at the same end. Yes, uh, but for different teams. Just for different teams. Um, and that means that Lanús are... Oh, no, they're not in Group H. That's the wrong group to look at. Where are they? Which group are they in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, they're in Group A. They're top of Group A, in fact. Um, they are on eight points. Barcelona have seven. Wanderers uh, of Montevideo have four. And Metropolitanos of, I think, Caracas, right? Um, have two points so Lanús are in the driving seat there but not yet over the line and are there any other Argentine sides to mop up here? Union are playing right now and they're leading of course yeah they're ahead against Oriente Petrolero six minutes into the second half Banfield play Union La Calera in about an hour's time Um, yeah interesting okay Uh, we're going to take a half time break now so don't go away went on that half-time break um, five minutes ago, although to you lot it won't seem like five minutes because that music's just 
so catchy and goes by like nothing at all, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Um, okay. We didn't really know what we were going to say in the second half, but Dan has been inspired by the power of cigarettes to uh, come up with a topic that I didn't know about and that he's now going to tell me all about. Yes, um, while the Copa Liga Profesional um, brings its first stage to a close this weekend, another league in Argentina, the brilliant Primera de Metropolitana, the lowest um, division in the Argentine football pyramid. You might remember it from such past discussions as several teams wanting to get relegated into it from the Federal in order to affiliate themselves fully with the AFA a couple of years ago. Yes, um, to give an overview in case, for whatever reason, um, you can't remember that discussion, uh, I think we might have dedicated an extra to it. Possibly? Possibly, yeah. yeah. But we definitely mentioned it on the main podcast as well. Yes, in about February or definitely March... Definitely, hopefully. Yes. In about February or March last year, there was a whole discussion about letting in a bunch of new teams to the Primera de. Hmm. Why is this necessary? Because um, basically through all of the um, tinkering and um, expanding that the two top divisions have done in recent years, um, the Primera or Liga Profesional has 28 teams and the Primera Nacional, the second tier, has something like 34 now. Oh yeah, I forgot that. Yes. As well. Uh, that has obviously left the leagues below um, a little bit strapped for numbers, particularly the Primera D, uh, which was down to 11, I think, or 11 or 12 last year. This is the fifth division, by the yes. way, in spite of the name, uh, suggesting it's the fourth, because the, there are two Bs. Indeed, yes. Well, there were two. There were the, two, the, the, yes. What was the B Nacional is now just called the Nacional, and what was the Primera B is still called the Primera B. Yes. Um, So apparently they were going to let a whole bunch of new teams in last year and other teams um, were considering dropping out from the federal leagues, which means they have to travel the whole country to just stay close to Buenos Aires because these are regional leagues. Um, But ultimately, none, none of it ever took place. They played the entire year, I think, with 10 or 11 teams. And they were essentially in the in the same situation this year, uh, with the difference that this year they've dis- agreed to, um, uh, in inverted commas, promote a club. That club is quite a curious one. Uh, they're called Club Mercedes. They're from Mercedes, logically enough. Uh, Mercedes is a city about... An hour or so outside of Buenos Aires, maybe mm. an hour and a half. I drove past it yeah. at the start of the year, actually, um, going out on the... Oh, why do I start these <laughs> trains of thought where I have to name the route number and then not remember it for... No, forget that. Um, yeah, one of the, the coast, you? So it's one of the highways the going out uh, to the west, and if you carry on, I think you hit... Oh, the west, that's yes. three. If you carry on, you got yes. I think it's free. If you carry on, you you hit La Pampa, you hit mm. all of those places, um, and they have the distinction of being Argentina's oldest football club, yeah, founded see, in eighteen seventy five. 
This uh, is is interesting because I always thought that Gimnasia were Argentina's oldest club who currently play football, let's say, which isn't necessarily the same thing, of course, as saying that they play football when they were founded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us about Mercedes. Um, Mercedes, uh, yeah, they've been going since 1875. I assume not as a football club at that time because I don't think... Even the first game of football had been played in Argentina in 1875. Yeah, it had. It was played around 1860-ish. Oh, there we go. It was exclusively being played by English people living in Argentina, of course, Indeed. at that point. But yeah. So, yeah. So, they, they picked it up very quickly. Um, 1863 or something like that, I think, yeah. is the, the date in my head. Um, but it is their first year as a directly... Affiliated AFA club, which means you know the first year playing in the Buenos Aires tournaments. Before yeah. that, they had a couple of years in the federal tournaments, and they're one of the giants of Mercedino football with eighteen league titles. Wow! Yeah, and and just out of interest, because you know you describe this as a, a city just outside. Greater Buenos Aires, but yeah. uh, as some of our listeners will, will have a very different idea of what constitutes a city to um, the idea of what is a city for most people who live in bits of Argentina that aren't Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Uh, how big is Mercedes as a place? It's fairly big, I think. Um, it must have 40,000, 50,000 people. Okay, um, but I mean, still, that's, that's somewhere that in the UK would probably be a large village or a small town. Yeah, 56,000 people it has. So, a decent size. Sure. And the, yeah, the most recent league they played in was the Torneo Federal C. Yes, that was going to be the next question, was because you said they've been promoted, so they've kind of moved sideways, really, from the Federal C, more than, they've not won a, a competition below the day to come up, because that doesn't happen, then there's no relegation from the day. No, um, you can be disaffiliated. Exactly, yeah. Or you could. I don't think they do it anymore because yeah. it would just be ridiculous to get rid of more teams when there's only 11 left. Yeah, yeah. They used to be, at the end of every year, the team who finished bottom of the day would be affiliated for yes. guess, at least a year for and a year, have to yeah. go and play in a local league and win their place again. Um, yeah, there are yeah, uh, a couple of caveats for, this, for their promotion. Uh, they can't be promoted this year. To the Primera C, mm-hmm. and they can only play with under twenty three players. Oh, okay. That, that's similar to the restrictions we were talking about last year when this discussion about the Federal A teams effectively, I guess, dropping down a couple of divisions to the day. Um, yes, with, absolutely. In, in place, yeah. Yeah, but it seems to be a um, nice little club, like very um, rooted in the community, as mm-hmm. you'd imagine. You know, with one hundred and fifty years of history on it, and yeah. lots of um, oh, they got. A minimum of 800 um, affiliated members, which is very respectable for uh, for that level. And I assume they're going to get decent crowds there, because there's not really any clubs close. Like um, Probably the closest would be Lujan, who I think are down in Primera C. Yeah. Um, yeah, really not much around in that area. So, uh, good luck to them. Um, if you give me a second, I will tell you who they have in store for their Primera their debut. They will be playing... This is when I find out they've got a bye week on the first. They are playing Muniz. Um, 
a stalwart of of uh, Primera de. Say, yeah, that's the name of it. Yes. Um, other teams in that league, of course, you've got Argentino de Rosario, uh, Rosario's fourth club, behind the obvious two, Tiro Federal and Tiro Federal. You've got Cambaceres on the outskirts of La Plata, Central, Central Ballester, uh, from Villa Ballester in San Martín. Centro Español, who I can't remember where they're from. Deportivo Paraguayo, who are San Lorenzo's neighbours. They've got a tiny little ground down in Bajo Flores. Mm. Juventud Unida, who I did remember once uh, where their ground was, but now I can't. Lugano, who have a name uh, which suggests they're in Capital, but I believe they're based outside Capital now in La Matanza. Mercedes Muñiz, Sportivo Barracas, Barracas' is second biggest club, and Chupanqui, which is a great name for a club. And Indeed it is. Yes. I shall correct myself, by the way. It's not uh, National Route 3 that Mercedes is on. It's National Route 5. 5. Yes. I've now looked them up on Google Maps. There we uh, go. 3 is the one that runs south from Buenos Aires. Yes. So I'm not sure how that got into my head. Yeah, as I said, I drove it a, at the start of the year because we went to visit a friend in 9 de Julio. Um, and it's terrifying because it's, for the most part, it's um, just like one one lane going, one lane, one lane coming, mm. and it also has a huge amount of truck traffic. I'm sure. Yeah. So you're basically overtaking trucks while other people are gunning it, doing the same the other way for 200 kilometers. Yeah. Um, so you got to have your wits about you to get there. So could we say that's that that will make for a a an uncomfortable away journey, or is that over Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I never so, like being a, a, pede- a pedestrian. Certainly not a pedestrian. I never like being a passenger. Yes. Either, on, on those kind of roads. <laughs> so welcome, Mercedes, to the Primera de. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of fun there. Indeed, yes. And we'll try and um, remember to keep you up to date with how that goes and the rest of it. I mean, I doubt we will, particularly regularly, yeah. but we'll have a review of it at some point in the year. Yeah. Uh, shall we ask some listeners' questions, Dan? Why not? Ask or answer. We have had... Yeah, I'll, I'll read out. Might be a bit and, late uh, to ask. Between us, um, we can... Answer. If anyone answers while we're asking out, it would be spectacular. We've had uh, two questions. or Well, we've had one question and one statement. Um, <laughs> I think would be the best way of putting it. Lawrence Hart says, I hear Diego's daughters have claimed that the shirt which was sold at auction is not the shirt. Isn't this so Argentine? Uh, to which the answer is yes, and it's also very, very Maradona's daughters. I was going to say, and just very Maradona, right? Yeah. Just I mean, to create a, a hoo ha and controversy out of everything. Why there's any doubt about the provenance when you know 120,000 people saw them swap shirts after the match? Yeah, there isn't. There Steve, absolutely Steve isn't. Hodge, isn't yeah. right um, um, I spoke actually last week to Andres Burgo, yeah. um, a very very knowledgeable, very um, very conscientious Argentine journalist who has written a book on that game, actually, uh, El Partido. Mm. I don't think it's available in English, but it is a very good read if you read Spanish and can get hold of it. Uh, an exhaustive um, chronicle of, of that game before, during and after. Uh, and he said to me that there is absolutely no doubt possible that it is the shirt. 
that yeah. no one swapped shirts halfway through that match. Yeah. Um, it's completely recognised that Hodge has always had Maradona's shirt. Uh, and that Maradona's daughters probably do have a shirt, but it's uh, or the family do have a shirt, but it would be the first half shirt. Yes, um, right. But we do have an update on this. Uh, did we mention it last week or at some point in the podcast? That it had reached its reserve price of four million at Sotheby's? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming that everybody listening to this, just mm. like Lawrence clearly has, has uh, heard the price that it eventually fetched. Uh, 7.2 million, I think, pounds. Yeah, 7.1 million was the headline I read. But yeah. either way, it's a very small difference to quibble over. For yes. In not, by far the most expensive piece of sports memorabilia ever auctioned. Uh, yes. Because the, the previous record was... Oh, I've forgotten what it was now. I know. It was about three million quid or something, wasn't it? Go on. It's a bit more. Um, the most expensive match shirt, like match-worn mm. shirt, uh, was one belonging to Babe Ruth. Oh, okay. Who was, this was a baseball player for yes. those of you who only listen to football or watch football or read about football. There might be a few. Um, uh, he was, by all accounts, a pretty good baseball player. Um, but the most expensive piece of sporting memorabilia it's fantastic I'm, I don't know I don't know if I'm, I understand the significance I think Maradona's impact on that game was absolutely incredible a one-off in football history hmm. um, it's clearly an incredible piece of um, memorabilia but if you listen to what it beat it was uh Baron Pierre de Coubertin is ah, yes, of course. original handwritten Olympic manifesto like, as I said, before I, the I vaguely remembered the modern games. I was struggling to remember what it actually was. Yeah. And how much did that go for? A little bit less, something like five million That's pounds a, yeah, or something. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. If I had to choose between the two, I mean, obviously if I had seven million to spunk <laughs> on, on ridiculous things. Where do we think it's going to end up? Do we know who's bought it? We don't. Because um... I, I know that there was an Argentine guy who travelled there for the auction. Hope, obviously a very, very, very rich Argentine guy travelled there for the auction claiming he was going to, that he put a bid together consisting of uh, more than £1 million. Pounds. Right. Uh, and obviously he was didn't a little end short. up winning it. Um, but, you know, my biggest fear and yet at the same time suspicion is that it's going to end up in some museum in the Middle East somewhere. It's very Quata, possible. Quata or yeah, you know, I assume. Yeah. Or I assume for now it's a it's a private bidder because obviously he doesn't want anyone to know he has this ridiculously expensive shirt. Yeah, indeed, in yeah. his potentially burglarable house. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, I mean it's a bit of a shame that it couldn't have come back to Argentina, obviously. But uh, I mean, if we had seven million around. To, to spend on shirts, this maybe, country would be an entirely different place. Maybe we should have done a Patreon fundraising campaign for it if, if we if I just thought ahead. Yeah, <sighs> we could have done a hand of pub bid for the for the shirt of God. Indeed. Oh well. And then we could have taken a new cover image for hand of pod with the proper shirt. Indeed. As the background. Oh, damn me for not planning ahead. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, Liam Delaney says. 
It was like a scene from a carry-on film with the police investigation regarding Bocca giving gifts to match officials. He is referring to these rumours that have come up. Oh, you've not seen these? No, enlighten uh, me. Always Ready have spent a fair bit of today complaining uh, that last night the uh, referees, and well, the, the referee, singular, and his assistants um, in their changing room had a bunch of uh, Bocca shirts and merchandise left for them before oh, right. the match oh, yesterday. God. And that this might have made them more amenable to giving Bocca decisions <laughs> during the game. Uh, fair enough. I was kind of hoping that you'd see... All, all I've seen was the headlines, so I was hoping that you'd seen a bit more of it. Uh, and I hadn't. Um, I must admit I'm in the dark about this. Um, yeah, obviously, probably not the best way to go about things if it's true. Um, but I mean, there were photographs sure. of a sort of what looked like a shrink-wrapped Bocca shirt on a desk that looked like it was in a football changing room. But, <laughs> right. Um, you know, even if, if it was, uh, sort of, yeah. it's It all sounds very cognitive. <laughs> yes, indeed. Conspiracy theory, yeah. which you can kind of believe, but at the same time, it's probably not that. <laughs> um, so, yes, indeed, Liam. Uh, thank you for uh, mentioning that. As I say, it's not really a question as such, but um, Bo- thanks for sending it in. I can see the Boca directors have denied um, out of hand uh, giving... Um, Oh, giving the referee shirts. Record, yes. That's a shame. And they say that the gifts were planted. So somebody from Always Ready yes. went out and bought a bunch of Bocker stuff. Apparently shrink so. wrapped it, put it on the official's desk and took a picture of it in order to then uh, come up with this ridiculous story after yeah. they lost a match of football, which is something they've spent most of the last month doing. It seems so, yes. Excellent. Um... Shall we go to Mystic Sam? Yes, sir. Lovely. Here we go. This weekend, the final weekend of group matches in the Copa de la Liga. Starts with San Lorenzo versus Racing. I think that Racing are going to win that one. Barraca Central will get a win over Godoy Cruz. Uh, those are the only two matches on Friday evening. On Saturday, Tigre host Boca. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to go for a draw there. Um, yeah, Boca have got nothing to play for. No, exactly. I mean, they're a slightly better team, but they're going to be distracted by still needing some kind of result in the Libertadores as well, I think. Uh, Independiente versus Huracan will be a draw as well. Aldo Civi will beat Arsenal. Rosario Central uh, are going to lose at home to Estudiantes in... I've just remembered I meant to mention this during the podcast and forgot. Marco Ruben's last match as a professional footballer. Is it really going to be the last match or is it going to be like all the other last matches? He's... He says he's retiring. Oh. He's only 35. Yeah. So, so I remember Maxi Rodriguez on the other side of Rosario yeah. had about seven last matches. For the, yeah, for indeed. Yeah. And always came back. Uh, but yeah, Marco Rubén says that he's retiring, so we'll see. Uh, on Sunday, Defensa y Justicia will beat Patronato. Um, Tacheres versus Sarmiento is going to be a draw. Argentinos versus Union is also going to be a draw. Gimnasia, I think, are going to beat Newell's. River, um, or as Dan says, quite possibly River's reserves, will uh, beat Platense in the Monumental. 
And on Monday, Colón versus Vélez will be a draw. Central Córdoba versus Lanús will be a Lanús win. And Banfield versus Atlético Tucumán. Let's go for a draw there as well. Just don't bother watching any games that Monday, I think. Uh, go outside, yeah, go to a bar, three look play football yourself. I'm going to be playing football, so I thankfully won't be watching it. No, uh, I would agree with Dan's recommendation there, at least uh, for Monday. San Lorenzo Racing. I'm watching it because... Because you're a Racing fan. Yes. Uh, well, I don't know. San Lorenzo are often fun to watch. Tigre and Boca should be good. Yeah, Tigre are going to be going out for it, but definitely the matches to watch are going to be clumped on... On that Sunday, um, yeah, between Sarmiento, Gimnasia, Newell's, Defensa Justicia, Argentinos, that's going to be a dogfight for the last two, the two spots. The, the Group A again, indeed. Group A, watch Group A. Don't worry Fast so much about Group B. Yes, uh, or Group One and Group Two, whichever way you want to call them. Anyway, for now, thank you very much indeed for listening. Do you want to venture a oh, River full time roundup since there's only about two. Oh right, left, yeah. We, we purposely didn't. M- Mention it in, in the preceding minutes. Uh, there are, uh, there's a minute and a half left of Fortaleza versus River, and it's still 1-1. So well, River just had a fantastic chance to go ahead. Julian Alvarez was clean free. And he missed it. And he missed it. Dragged it wide. Yes. Um, yeah, and in the other match, Union, my, my live score app said that Union had scored twice in very quick succession. Was he going? out for a cigarette. Uh, it then gave me a score correction. Union had okay. 2-0 up against Oriente Petrolero. Uh, with 10 minutes to go, according to that. And okay. obviously, Red Bull Bragantino versus Vélez Sarsfield is goalless because it, it doesn't kick off for another 38 minutes. Vélez should enjoy these moments. Indeed, they should. <laughs> goals. It's been sweet release, the moments they're not actually on the field. Indeed. Uh, Everything holding which... South Bowler is pretty impressive in the other group. I know it's not no, appertaining to Argentine football and it doesn't make much difference in the fate of the Sudamericana Group D, but... Mm. Decent point for for Everton. First points that San Paolo have dropped in this sort of Americana. There we go. Oh yeah, of course they are. Yeah, I forgot. And, and uh, Guairinha are holding Internacional as well, and they are top of that group, in Group E. That's almost a okay. local derby, isn't it? Even though they're from two different countries. Guairinha from the very close to the Brazilian border, Paraguay. Internacional are from the province that Guairinha. Yeah, albeit on the other side of it, which is yeah. probably a few hundred so, miles. Yeah, um, coast, but still. You'd be stretching the definition of Derby very, very thin. Oh, I was being sarcastic, but still, you know. Uh, yeah. Geographically speaking, the same corner of the continent. Yeah, fair um, In the same way as, I don't know, a club again from Buenos Aires playing a club from Montevideo or something. Oh, okay, right. while we've been wittering on, Fortaleza versus River has now finished. One Excellent, so we can f- confirm. Uh, which means, just to round that up, that uh, River are top of Group F with 10 points, which is four clear of Colo Colo, who have a game in hand. They play Alianza Lima later this evening. Uh, Fortaleza have four points, which means that if... I mean, if Colo Colo win... Oh, no, no, Fortaleza is still in it anyway. But uh, yes. River have put themselves in a very commanding position with two matches to go. That's they can't finish below Alianza Lima, at least. Uh, no, they can't, can they? Does that mean <laughs> through? No. Six clear of Fortaleza, two games to go. Not mathematically through yet, but River have a goal difference of plus four. 
Porto Alegre have a goal difference of minus two. So I think we can call it. River are going to be in the knockout stages again. Yes, to everybody's shock and surprise. Yes. Um, For now, though, thank you very much for listening and goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye.